This podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience at Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. Sort of break it, break it down like good. Hi, I'm Keith Binder, and I sound like a man. And you're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Cast with Joe and Matt. Welcome to episode 30 of THN, where we're talking comics and comic news for the week of Wednesday, August 17th. My name is Matt Baum. And when I'm not planning a million nerd march on Lionsgate Films headquarters, demand they leave our favorite characters alone and stop farting out stinkers like the latest Conan film, I'm writing about an appraising comics for WorthPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick, artist and co-creator of Good Plus Online, and when I'm not constantly leaving town on the weekends and forcing us to record the show later and later, thereby endangering my co-host's marriage a little more. I'm the manager of Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. I got jerked away from the Polish Fest this week where I was drinking all hey, day, folks. you told me you'd be home at 4 o'clock! This week you'll hear reviews of Damage, number one, from Radical Comics, and Generation Hope, number ten, from Marvel. After that, we'll punch a hole in reality with our butts as Yuck. we review ten comics in the ludicrous speed round. Then we'll use the... That didn't even make sense. It's like we're speeding with our butts. <laughs> then we'll use the power cosmic to peer into the new future and tell you what you should be reading next week. And finally... The comic pushers are back, slinging oh, product, baby. But before we get to all that treasonous activity, let's mount our dinosaurs and ride into Governor Rick Perry's office and warm up his globe. Then we'll talk about this week's big news. <laughs> our lead story this week comes out of Hollywood, and it is potentially spoilerific, so skip ahead a couple minutes if you are sensitive to that sort of thing. Rumors of the shape-shifting Skrull's involvement in next summer's Avengers movie have been circling the net for a while now, but some recent on-set photos seem to have confirmed it. Metro Mix Cleveland, which... Who I always go to. We love our Cleavish (laughs) listeners. I'm sorry we don't have creative names for our towns like Cleveland. (laughs) That's a Howard the Duck reference. Uh, The uh, entertainment paper has scored numerous photos from the set of the upcoming blockbuster, several of which feature crashed car-sized spaceships. The ships appear to be part of what the Cleveland plane dealer described as, quote, a strafing scene that filmed on Monday and are rumored to be part of a larger Independence Day-style scene where dozens of these smaller attack ships pour from a large mothership hovering above the city. Now, the most telling image from the report was a photo that featured a man covered head-to-toe in motion capture sensors lying prone on top of one of the damaged ships. A dying scroll, perhaps? Now, and this just in, after I wrote this, but before we started recording, I saw a bunch of photos of Captain America and Thor actually fighting dudes in motion capture suits. Yeah. Like a, an army of them. Yeah. It's absolutely the it's Badoon. It's totally the Badoon. They're trying to steer us to the scroll BS. It is totally the Badoon. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's pretty clear uh, we're heading in a especially scrolly direction. Scrollerific. What do you think about that, Matt? Uh, I, I'm still thinking that maybe that's, this is something that's going to happen like towards the end of the movie or as a distraction or something. I just don't, There's no way that like this is the main part of the film. We've had so many alien invasion movies that have tanked recently. Yeah, but not an alien invasion movie starring superheroes. I mean, I get it, but still, I don't know. I'm hoping it's more a Loki, like, I don't know, Red Skull kind of thing. Well, and the Loki, scrolls, you know, are being used as a distraction while they're going about It has been reported that Loki is definitely on scene. Right. And another thing that happened post-script <laughs> pre-recording is that uh, Disney held, like, um, their annual, like, expo. And for the first time, Marvel was a big part of it. And they showed a bunch of clips, and somebody transcribed a uh, conversation between Nick Fury and Loki, 
where basically Loki threatens Nick Fury by saying, I have an army. And I'm fine with it. I like the scrolls, and it could be interesting. I just hope it's not the main push of the film. I hope there's more to it I don't know. I would be totally down for like a secret invasion type movie. Uh, I just There's other things I'd like to see get done before we go there. In the first Avengers movie. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. In the first yeah. Avengers movie. That's a fair That's a fair I don't point. need secret invasion. There's And it's something we want to do. Great. Just not in my first Something Avengers once movie. the characters' connections are established. Right. Yeah, that's fair. In other news, Boom Studios is tossing its hat in the political ring this fall with an initiative they're very creatively calling Decision 2012. The publisher is listing 10 nonpartisan biographical comics spotlighting President Obama and the contenders for the Republican presidential nomination. Michelle Bachman, Herman Cain, Newt Gingrich, John Huntsman, Sarah Palin, Ron Paul, Rick Perry, Mitt Romney, and Rick Santorum. Just saying all those out loud makes me chuckle a little bit. Boom is calling the initiative the first comic book straw poll with a winner determined by the number of pre-orders each book receives by September 29th. The candidates that earn fewer than 1,500 pre-orders will drop out of the poll in shame. Also, will not be carried by Diamond because that is the minimum number you have to have to be in Diamond Comics pre-orders. Presumably with their biographies unpublished. Obviously, this unorthodox poll will have no real-world benefits for the winner. Though I suppose they could proclaim their comic book victory to the world, which would probably result in more publicity for Boom Studios than it would for the actual candidate, Joe. Are you sad? Palenti dropped out of the race (laughs) before you had the chance to read about his secret upbringing in the Savage Land. Oh. Yes. Excelsior. Tim Palenti, child of the Savage Land. (laughs) Raised by saber-toothed tigers. This is just stupid. This is stupid. Blue Water's been doing this for years now, and guess what? It doesn't sell. Yeah, but those are... Nobody cares. Uh, but those are, I mean... You're telling me Boom's no going to knock this anybody. out of the park? I would, I'd be much more prone to read uh, a biography from Boom than I would Blue Line. No, I mean... Or I, Blue Blue Water. water. Right. I mean... We he, can't even remember the name of the company. They're not exactly the mark of quality. I, I just don't care about this, and I really don't care when politics gets involved in my comics. And, and you know, I mean, we've made it very apparent we are... We're Democrats on this show. I don't need Obama in my comics either. It's stupid. I don't need the... I Why do you hate America, <laughs> Matt? I just don't need it. I'm fine with fictional presidents and stuff like that. You know, this is silly. Leave this to Blue Water. I would feel better about it if it's happening there, mainly because I respect Boom. Hmm. This seems like a publicity stunt at best. We don't need it. It does seem like kind of a publicity stunt. Finally, Marvel continued to offer a steady stream of promo images this week, and among them were teasers for The Forgiven a team of what I think are good guy vampires. It looks like it even more so now. Yeah. Uh, And that's set to debut in Fear Itself Hulk versus Dracula next month. Yeah. Uh, Been waiting on that one. Yes. A couple of teasers for Shattered Heroes, which is the follow-up to Fear Itself, uh, one featuring Tanneris, the new god of thunder, alongside several other battered and bruised Heroes and a now I gotta get all my Thor tattoos like crossed covered out. up, man. Yep. Get my Tanneris yep. work done. Uh, and there's also a there was a final teaser with a completely broken Mjolnir. It was all charred and black and broken. Saw that. Mm, they might kill Thor, man. Uh, and of course, there were also several more post schism X family teasers, with one announcing the return, sort of, of Nightcrawler. Yeah. In the pages of Uncanny X Force. Nightcrawler, Matt. It's okay. exciting. If right? I had to pick one favorite X-Man, it's Nightcrawler. 
Mm-hmm. He's been my guy for a long time. And when they killed him, I wasn't particularly upset that they killed him because he died in a good way. Like, it, it was a heroic death. It wasn't like when Colossus stuck the legacy virus, like, shot into his heart and died. But mutants everywhere felt Immediately better. Immediately you know, cured. Yeah, it was just, like, that was really <laughs> stupid. It was a good death. And honestly, I don't have a problem with them bringing the Nightcrawler character back this way. We should say it looks like it's going to be the Age of Apocalypse it's Nightcrawler. It's most definitely the Age of Apocalypse. Coming Nightcrawler. out of the story, the Dark Angel saga that's going on in Uncanny X-Force right now, which is great, Very by good. the way. Yes. Um, and you know what? I wouldn't mind if Sabretooth came back with him, too. If Victor Creed was one of those characters. Because um, I love Age of Apocalypse Victor well, Creed. Well, yeah, and actually Sabretooth was a really great part of... Um, Exiles yeah. for a long time. Yeah. The Age of Apocalypse Saber. And I just I love that character and, well, and have since I read that back and in the nineties. This 90s. is this is a way for them to kind of have their cake and eat it too. You don't have to undo the death of Nightcrawler. Right. You can still you can bring Nightcrawler back into the titles, but have that added layer of drama where he's not the Nightcrawler everybody knows. Right. And and he's a different character. And there's a lot of conflict there. And we don't have to address all the old He's probably a lot any... more quick with the murdering right. because he's from the Age of Apocalypse. And it, I mean, <laughs> I'm guessing because they're showing us the image of Nightcrawler, he is leading X-Force. Well, another thing to note is that it did not appear Wolverine was in that teaser. No. And it, it looks like the people that are leading each team in these post-schism books are the only ones they revealed on the cover. Yeah. Wolverine, yeah. the X-Men, Emma, Emma. Cyclops, and this Nightcrawler. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I, I'm kind of psyched for it. I think it's a clever way to do it rather than just, like, finding him in the basement where some aliens were keeping him back making fun of Colossus again. Yeah, but that was a good reunion. It, it was a good reunion, and I don't think you could bring Colossus back another way. I like the way they're doing this. I'm into it. I'm happy to see that he's back, even if this is the way that they're doing it. It's, that said, it's creative. I want my regular Nightcrawler back eventually. Don't forget. I like to be that's this week's big news. If you want to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, hit us up on our Facebook page where Danny Jover here has been explaining for months now his nickname has nothing to do with the size of his nickname. <laughs> it's review time again, and that means it's time to talk about new releases. Matt, tell the class all about your favorite comic this week. This week, I read Damaged, number one, from Radical Comics, written by David Lapham, art by Leonardo Manco. Radical! This one was created by Michael and John Swartz and had an executive producer. I don't know what that means, but the executive (laughs) producer was none other than Sam Worthington of Avatar and Clash of the Titans. And Terminator, Rise of the Machines. That's correct. After a violent incident in their shared past forces the lives of brothers Frank and Henry Lincoln to diverge. Each carries on with his own brand of justice. Frank, who's very close to retirement, has spent his life becoming a distinguished member of the San Francisco police force. Meanwhile, Henry has devoted his life to being a vigilante whose own brand of justice is far more violent than the law allows. Meanwhile, after th- meanwhile, after 35 years, these brothers are brought together again by the murder of a Russian mafia boss in the city by the bay. <laughs> Frank, caught between political turmoil and training his replacement, as he leaves the forest, comes face-to-face with Henry, who may have more than just answers about the murder. Matt, real quick, would you say that Frank is or is not, at the beginning of this story, too old for this shit? He's getting way too old for this shit. Thank you. Um, Which... I also would have called this comic book The Adventures of Bruce Willis and Liam Neeson because (laughs) (laughs) there's some serious photo referencing going on here. But that said, 
it is the best kind of photo referencing. Mm. I followed Leonardo Manco for a lot of years, and I didn't care for some of his earlier work. But in the last, I'm going to say five or six years here, he has become nothing short of amazing. He did Hellraiser, right? He's also working on Hellraiser for Boom Studios, which has been great, but it has a totally different look and feel than Damaged. Hellraiser reminds me a lot of... The work where I really first noticed him, which was the Doom trilogy he did for Marvel back in the early 2000s. Yeah. Which was just amazing. And Hellraiser is very scratchy and sketchy and dark and nightmarish, where this book also has some elements of that, but is a lot cleaner and when it needs to be. There's three different art styles going on here that Manko is telling three different stories with. And you basically have the story of Henry, who's the vigilante guy. You have Frank, who is his older brother, who is the retiring cop. And then you have this new cop. Henry's story looks dark and scary and nightmarish and is very bloody because he's a crazed vigilante killer. Frank is kind of muted and almost... The worst kind. Is almost... Yeah, pardon me, the worst kind. Frank is sort of sepia-toned and they they kind of they make him look aged and they make everything that he's doing look older and the new cop is in these vibrant kind of settings with his beautiful wife and is in his pretty home and he's having dinner with politicians and being offered the job that Frank has and it really sets up these three separate stories that are converging in this book uh, there's three different guys that are listed here doing the coloring you've got Kin Sung Lo and I'm sorry if I'm saying this wrong Jerry Chu and San San Saw They did such an amazing job, really, of separating the three different chapters here. I'm guessing this is computer colored, but you can tell they really took some time to give it three different feels. And they did an excellent job. The book is dark and muted and gritty while following the vigilante. And it's vibrant and clean while following the young cop. The action scenes are really clean. Manco nailed this one. I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is some of the best work that I've seen from him. This is a gorgeous book to look at. This is beautiful. It really is. It's gorgeous. I'm not sure what the creators and the executive producer have to do with this comic. The whole Sam Worthington thing and the two guys that came up with the idea. Well, and it's also credited to full clip. Yeah, they're going with this kind of Hollywood feel here with producers, and that crap really drives me nuts. But and that's it seems kind a little of ridiculous. Radicals, and wheelhouse, they've been doing that for a while, and I, I just don't get it. That said, David Lapham was the perfect choice to write this story. He lets Manko's art do the really heavy lifting. They got Todd Klein to letter it. To set up the story, and he and he really just gently guides you through this world, rather than like a bunch of narration or a bunch of you know prologue in the front where we go, it's a time where crime runs rampant through whatever. They just gently pull you through the story. There's a really great sit-down that Frank, the retiring cop, has with a waitress in this book, and she basically spells out the last 20 years of his life in the force and what's happening with, like, the mayor and these other politicians sort of pushing him out to bring in new blood. And it's just so well done. Nothing is forced here. I thought this was going to be a really ham-fisted, kind of violent Punisher ripoff action comic, and it was not at all. This was really well written. The dialogue is fantastic. Even like the police extras, and there's a bunch of them in this, they all have separate voices, they sound like cops, they talk like cops. It's just really well paced. And I I gotta say, Lapham and Manco did a fantastic job setting this up, and Radical took the time and made this look like a really high-quality comic. 
This reads like a storyboard for a very compelling cop vigilante drama that would fit perfectly at home on any primetime cable network. And I hope they do really well with this one. I got to say, I first noticed Radical with uh, The Last Days of American Crime, which is where Rick Remender came from. And that has been optioned for a movie. And Sam Worthington is going to be a big part of it. And I think that's why his name is on this book. But this is another one. It would not surprise me at all to hear this scooped up immediately for a television release. If it hasn't already been. I give this a very strong buy it and I look forward to more. Uh, Now, I have to confess, I missed this on the shelf. And um, as Matt so kindly pointed out at the top of the show, I went out of town. And so I didn't know what Matt was reviewing until minutes before we started recording. It looks good, and I'm going to take it home and give it a read. I was – I ignored it before. Uh, but yeah, now I'm I'm convinced. Joe, tell us a little bit about Generation Hope number ten from Mark. <sighs> Generation Hope. This is a schism tie-in. This is a schism tie-in. Yes, pardon me, a schism tie-in. And actually, uh, I should point out that I might have to get a little spoilery, so uh, beware. If you've read X Men Schism number three, you know what this book is about. Yeah this this book takes place kind of concurrently with X Men Schism number three. Uh, specifically the scenes uh, dealing with the opening of the Mutant Rights, uh, Mutant History Museum in San Francisco. So uh, this uh, deals with it from the perspective of the the new students, uh, uh, Hope's team of ragtag uh, new new characters, uh, specifically Edie. Is it uh, Edie or Idie? Well, I don't know. I'm going with Idie. Okay. I'll say Edie just because it's fun. With Edie, the uh, the the African uh, mutant who is like convinced she's a demon and a monster that needs to be, Which that is deserves a super to be killed. interesting take on a mutant character that we haven't seen. Yeah. I really like that. It kind of touches on teenage homosexuality where you have people that are growing into their sexuality and not sure if they're good or bad. We've never really seen that before. And I really like what they've introduced with this character. Yes. Yeah. And she is a compelling character to watch. And in uh, Schism, there's a nice little bit where she kind of bonds with Wolverine, uh, as Wolverine is prone to do, bonding with sure. teenage girls. They can, they can relate to him. <laughs> um, but they're all sitting around the TV watching uh, the kind of crazy Sentinel malfunctions that are going on. And that's from the pages of Schism, obviously. And so these characters are commenting on it, and you've got the American characters, or at least the ones that are a little bit more culturally connected, you know, that are aware of the Sentinels and where they've come from and that sort of thing. Edie right. comes from, a, like, a tiny village. She doesn't really know, you know, anything. And um, Well, and she even references the blue girl. I can't – I don't know her name. Uh, I don't this. Her name is Lori, I think. I can't remember her code name. But Transonic she, is her She code references name. how this Lori girl is saying, like, all the perfect – Pro mutant political things, and none of these things are obviously her ideas, and yeah, stuff like yes. that. And like she's just sort of like this anti propagandist, <clears throat> where she's just completely on the other side. Yeah, and there's a great scene at the beginning where they are debate. They're talking about the Sentinels, and uh, Edie says, "I don't see why they shouldn't have them. Why yeah. the governments of the world should not protect their people." Yeah, not even from the point of view that like we're all evil, but some of them are. Yeah, like it makes sense to have these weapons because you're going to need them eventually. Right. So, um, I mean, look at how many times has Magneto almost but, split I mean, the planet the, in half. The fact, the fact that she is missing and that Transonic, I think, is trying to point out to her is that the Sentinels were not made for protection. The Sentinels were made for slaughter. Right. 
that's like the piece of that history she's missing. And so Transonic drags Edie to this opening of the cultural, the Mutant Culture Museum in San Francisco. And it is at that time that the new Hellfire Club attacks. So this army of Hellfire Fire Club goons and the little kids that are now leading them, yeah. which if you're not reading X-Men oh, Schism 3, love it. it's awesome. It's so and we'll good. talk about that more a little later. <clears throat> but basically, Edie gets trapped in the museum alone. The X-Men are immediately taken out, like outclassed by this Right, group. some of their heaviest hitters are not yeah, flat. Uh, Colossus, Magneto, Namor, Emma. And the really cool part of it is if you read Schism and then read this, you see how it happens in Schism, and then you see it from her point of view. It, yes. In fact, in they, they do recommend in the opening page that you read Schism first. And you need to. I read this first, and I didn't have a problem. Okay. But, I, I would say it's – I read Schism first, and reading this second – very cool, but yeah, this is a, this is a tie-in done right, where you get to see c- characters that are not necessarily in the spotlight, and how they are reacting to what's happening. In fact, and and how a scene that in Schism is mere panels long, yeah, maybe three happens, or four panels, happens very quickly, is several pages fleshed out in Generation Hope, and just the dialogue in this book is is wonderful. These characters are f- very fleshed out. For being relatively new, I mean, they are brand new, brand there's, new characters. But if there's one thing that Kieran Gillen does well, it is voicing different characters. So from a script perspective, I loved this comic. That said, I had real, real problems with the art. The artist for this book is Tim Seeley, who is best known for the being the creator of Hack Slash, which is a book that neither of us read, uh, though I am familiar with it We're and aware what it of is. It. The art in this book is not bad. Uh, it's competent. Uh, the storytelling seems fine. I didn't have any problems following it. My problems with this book come from what he has done and the way he is depicting the character of Lori, uh, the blue girl that flies. Transonic is a character whose mutant power has basically turned her into – she becomes aerodynamic and sleek as she flies. So when she's at rest, she's kind of featureless. You know, like the Silver Surfer sort of? Sure. I mean, she, she's she got features. She's shaped like a girl. She's got a mouth. Right. Other than that, I mean, she's basically like the Silver Surfer, like a Barbie doll, right? Okay. It's kind of tragic because when she's quote unquote normal, she's a freak. She's pretty like, far from normal. Yeah. She's got weird fins. She's got magenta hair. I mean, she looks bizarre. And she spends the bulk of the action scenes in Generation Hope essentially naked. Because she is, like I said, like a Silver Surfer type character. Yeah. She's, f- yeah. Now, they have shown her in clothes before when it's appropriate for her to be in them. So, wait a minute. Is your problem that she's not naked? No. My problem you is... pervert. No. My problem is that this is a character that has essentially been rendered sexless just by her mutation, right? Tim Seeley has chosen for her to be lounging around with her friends in front of guys and girls that she has just met. He has put her in... The shortest of short hot pants and a tight hoodie sweatshirt that is unzipped down to her navel. Well, what if she's trying to hold on to some of her feminine? I don't think you so. Know? I mean, listen, uh, you know, I, and I, I will say as someone who doesn't read the book regularly, I didn't notice that as an issue. OK, I noticed it immediately because okay. she's a 19 year old girl. I looked it up like I can't re- couldn't remember. I knew she was young, but I knew that she was. Some of the new mutants since uh, M-Day are a little older in the – Right. Uh, but yeah, she's 19 uh, and, and – she's dressed she, like she's 
13. Yeah, and, well, and she was so despondent about her mutation that she tried to commit suicide before Hope got to her. Right. And now Tim Seeley has put her in this outfit that, I mean, it's one step removed for, from her having something written across the back of her ass. I was really put off by it. Because he's taken this character whose mutation has kind of rendered her into this tragic form and tried to sexualize her, like way over the top sexualize her. And it was distracting and it upset me. Like I was actually actually angry about it. This is puritanical Joe Patrick. No, and like, listen, I have no illusions. I read Joe does comics. not like pretty girls. I read superhero comics. I know. <laughs> I know that they are way over the top in their depiction of women. Right, I get right, it. Right. No. I read Power Girl. I know the score, right? Sure. But for this to like catch me off guard and actually impact me this way, I had to talk about it. I was going to pick a different book to review, but th- this book actually upset me, so the art said, in this book. It would have been a buy it otherwise. What are you rating it? it? I'm giving it a skim it on the strength of the story. Okay. But I find the art completely distressing. So, you know, as someone who doesn't read the book regularly, I, I'm giving it a buy it because I, I don't. And I didn't know that much about the character. And I see what you're saying. It's not that it's like disturbing or upsetting, but it's completely out of character. But you see what I'm saying here? Like she, no, I mean, I got she it. prances around as just as an example. I she got prances it. around with no clothes on. Uh, no, I'm just saying you're saying it's out of character. Yeah, but see with okay. the with the sweatshirt unzipped to her navel, so it looks like right. she's got no bra on. Isn't that sexy? No, it's not sexy. It's gross, and I was really upset by it. I'm sorry. What a crybaby. Yeah. Jeez. So, yeah, skim it. That's a skim it from Joe and a buy it from me on Generation Hope. Are you ready for the sex, girls? Sex, 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 sex. Speaking of sexless aerodynamic things, it's time to strip <laughs> off our clothes to reveal that we're as nude as Ken dolls and go shooting through the air reviewing ten comics at the speed of the Silver Surfer in the Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed! Go! Power Girl, 27. Final issue of the book, and it was kind of a fun little, uh... How fast Sturgis is Power Girl this, story? Right? Yeah, Matthew okay. Sturgis. It's super good. It was the Power Girl and Cyclone team-up I didn't really want, but, eh, it was still kind of fun. I'll be sad to see this book go buy it. Captain America, number two. Uh, another beautiful-looking issue from Steve McNiven. I love the Jimmy Jupiter thing that they're introducing in this, and I love the whole, like, using Jimmy Jupiter to travel through dimensions to, like, fight Abe. The and crazy stuff. sci-fi stuff actually threw me off. I, I kind of liked it. I, I was it, not prepared for it. I wasn't either. This is out of left field. It was fun. I'm giving it a buy it. Yeah. Stuff a Legend, a Jester's Tale, number one. Uh, you know, this probably would have been my pick had I not been so offended <laughs> by Generation Hope Sad number 10. had to get his puritanical views this, in this show. Uh, Stuff Always. of Legend is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful book with such a great story. This is volume three. Maybe don't start here, but if you haven't read Stuff of Legend, you need to track it down. It's a strong, strong buy it. Daredevil, number two. I didn't think Paulo Rivera's art could get even better, and it did. I'm this saying book it. is gorgeous. Two issues in, this will go down as one of the greatest Daredevil runs ever. Yeah, this is so good. Buy it, buy it, buy it. I shouldn't have to say anything else about it. Justice League of America, number 60. Uh, well, this... Ending <laughs> with a whimper! The, the, the book closes on this incarnation of the Justice League. Or perhaps a silent but deadly toot. <laughs> uh, there's a fun, you know, little collection of vignettes about adventures that never were printed, but like... And happened behind the scenes. It was kind of fun. I didn't care. But, yeah, this is something completely inconsequential. Leave it. Go away, Justice League. Venom, number six. Uh, you know what? I've been bagging on Tom Fowler a little bit. He's coming into his own in this book. It looked pretty good. 
This is a part of Spider Island. It was fun. They got some explaining to do, though. And I think I, was, I may have missed the part where... There's a little something weird. I don't want to give you a spoiler. Yeah, but where I, that thing happens, I don't remember reading that. <laughs> I have a feeling that it's not what we think it is. Right. I've given it a buy. Invincible Iron Man 507. Uh, this is kind of a little bit more of what we were talking about in Generation Hope. It's the kind of stretched out nature of this event. Tony is still in the mines, like making weaponry. Yeah, with but these time is different in Asgard and stuff oh, too. Oh, whatever. It's wacky. It's still fun. And I love the cussing dwarves. Yeah, I love. The we need to dwarves. get to the point though. Still though, it was fun. I give it a buy. It. Uncanny X Men five forty two. Speaking of things that were fun, man, this book just. Kieran Gillen is knocking him dead in this book. I, I love this I, issue. I giggled when I read the end of this one, and it totally all of a sudden the image of uh, Colossus putting on the helmet that we've seen. Suddenly makes sense. Man, it was awesome. That was a good scene. Strong by it. Yeah. X-Men Schism number three. Uh, we talked about it a little already. It was really fun. I love the tiny Hellfire Club. And there's a great little four-panel scene that explains their motivations. This is a great book. Beautiful art by Daniel Acuna. I give it a strong buy it. Bam! That is your ludicrous speed round. And bam is the noise my nightcrawler makes. Average size. Thank you very much. <laughs> Now let's take a look at next week's comics and tell these nerds what they should be reading. Joe, what's going to tickle your Nightcrawler next week? (laughs) Uh, For next week, I am excited for the return of Ultimate Comics, Ultimate Ultimates, The Ultimate Issue. (laughs) Number one by Jonathan Hickman and Asad Ribic. Yeah, this looks really neat, man. Uh, There was a preview in the back of several of the books uh, over the last week or two. And it featured something called Ultimate Excalibur. I'm totally excited. Uh, But yeah, I think this will be a lot of fun. And And I love Asad Ribic. A different choice for this sort of book. Draws the hell out of a book. I love that guy. What about you, Matt? I'm going with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one. I didn't know. I can't fight it. They brought Kevin Eastman back to write the uh, Heroes in a Half Shell. There's no reason why someone cannot give us an awesome Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle series, and I think IDW is the publisher to do it. I don't. Th- I think it's safe to say that there's nobody doing better work with their licensed titles out there than IDW right now. I think this is going to be a ton of fun, and here's the reading a good TMNT comic again, where they're not eating pizza. Excited. Excited. You're not tough enough, or you're not dope enough? I'm not dope enough to read this paragraph. The spinners are spinning, the bass is thumping, and we're rolling our 64 Impala up to your okay, playground. 64 Impala, white kid. Come on. It's time for the comic pushers. Don't you listen to Skilo? To push some highly addictive product on some quivering junkies. This week, Nathan, who is asking a follow-up question. Nathan hit us back when this was called Required Reading and wasn't as much fun. He may have been our very first victim. He could have been. Nathan writes, I have another request. I recently read all of The Immortal Iron Fist and was wondering if there's anything else like it. I've tried other kung fu comics like Silent Dragon and Reaper, neither of which that I have read, I don't think. Uh, Reaper is uh, Robert Kirkman and uh, Cliff Rathburn. It's oh. fun. They put out two issues in 10 years. <laughs> All right. Which I've enjoyed, but it hasn't been the same. I don't know if it's because the Iron Fist series is so original or if it's because Aha's absolutely stunning art. Aja, Aha, Aha. That one's for you, young Keith. Okay. I'm going to try and get the Immortal Weapons trade, but is there anything else that you guys may know of? There is. And Ed Brubaker also wrote it, and Brian Michael Bendis wrote it as well. You've got to read Daredevil, man. Yeah. You want to read quality, badass martial arts comics in the Marvel U. 
Daredevil. I agree. I, we kind of racked our brains trying to think of a modern equivalent well, to Iron Fist. It's tough. There isn't a lot. I mean, there's a lot of great martial arts stories out there, but not a lot of them are in print. And not, and a, not lot of guys, a lot of them are great. And not a lot of them are great. <laughs> but yeah, you want one that they have nailed. And like Daredevil did go to a really gritty kind of humanistic place where it was Daredevil brooding about all the things wrong in his life. But the one constant, there was always ninjas, man. And there was always... Why is it always got to be ninjas? Always ninjas and always Daredevil whooping much ass. And like if you like the way Brubaker writes a story, you're going to love what he did with his Daredevil. There's plenty of trades you can go out there and pick up to catch up with the yeah. Bendis... Brubaker, and even the Andy Diggle stuff, which admittedly didn't end great. Yeah, but I mean, it's still it's still decent, still and good, it's still, still full on martial arts action. And you know, if you are looking for something a little bit more martial arts focused, uh, there are a few volumes of the old Master of Kung Fu series in print uh, in the essential format. They're black and white, and they're fun. Uh, but they're drawn by, or at least the great ones are drawn by Paul Gulacy, and his art is beautiful in black and white. Oh yeah, and like Gorgeous. that is revered as one of the greatest, you know, comics from the uh, late seventies, early eighties. Master of Kung Fu, old school Marvel, and there is a book coming out by Kagan McLeod uh, from Top Shelf called Infinite Kung Fu. This Wednesday, which looks tons of fun. Yeah, this Wednesday, uh, and I'm I'm gonna check it out, and I think that might be up your alley as well. Absolutely. Thanks for your follow-up question, Nathan. We hope you dig those suggestions. And if you are looking for some comics to get all messed up on and crawl around in your bed, pulling the covers up over your head, sweating and shaking because you're totally hooked on the comic juice, you can you... quit anytime you want. <laughs> sure you can. You can write to Comic Pushers at twoheadednerd at gmail.com, and we'll tell you what you should be reading. That's right. Sort of, sort of break it, break it down like this. Oh my God, that is it for the two-headed nerd this week. Coming off an afternoon drunk. If you're into two nerds drawn about dudes in tight pants and questionably homoerotic adventures each week, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, where your star ratings and reviews prove to the women that we love that our unabashed love for men in tights is a shared experience for nerds everywhere. <laughs> If you want to feed this monster, as always, you can click our donate button at TwoHeadedNerd.com. And why wouldn't you want to encourage this kind of behavior? I mean, come on! It's got everything! Anything you can give is will be appreciated and goes right back into making this show better. And I mean anything. Even Any if it's only a dollar. And as always, you can find all things Two-Headed and Nerdy at TwoHeadedNerd.com, where you can find our Twitter handles and links to our Tumblr blog, where I'm totally posting stuff hourly. Like, it's so much stuff to read that over there. That is false. You need to get to work, buddy. <laughs> There's <laughs> stuff. That's not There's enough. stuff on there. You can head over to our Facebook page where you can become a fan of THN and answer the question of the week. This week's query... We want to know who your favorite comic book martial artist is. Not who would win in a fight. Not who is the baddest of the bad. Who is your favorite? That's right. For me, Karate Kid, Legion of Super. I'm staying in DC too. I'm going with Connor Hawk. We're never going to see him again. Yeah, that dude doesn't exist. He's Ollie's like badass Shaolin Kung Fu monster. Pacifist. Man, I love that guy. Yeah, he's pretty great. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Chris Somney, who won his first Harvey Award last night for Hooray. his work on Thor, The Mighty Avenger, Wonderful which, book. great series, too bad it got canceled, not their fault. Word to you, Chris, and until next time, true believers, this is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. My boy DJ just drove in from Sioux City. He's a little tired, but I'll bet he's got one hell of a sign-off for you. Here we go, folks. Take it away, DJ. Boys have a penis, girls have a vagina.